first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I am so excited for our conversation and um, just really grateful for all the work that you're doing and um, just amplifying all the voices and, and doing all the things. So thank you for, for thinking of me. So my name is Karen Cubitas and my pronouns are she and her, and I do a billion things. Um, so introducing <laughs> myself is always like, um, what do I do? Uh, I am a CEO founder of, um, two companies. Uh, my music one is called the Karen Kivitas agency, um, where we do basically anything a creative could need in house. Um, we have an emerging artist program. I have a podcast, we do workshops. Um, and I also have another company called Vampire to inspire. Um, this is a organization that works with women and those that identify as women. Um, and it's very similar to my music company, but, um, just allows me to share you know, my knowledge and create community around, um, things that you don't really learn in school. And, um, it's just been a really fun way to give back and, um, just meet new people. That's awesome. So I kind of always start questions about a little bit about your life growing up and what kind of led you, um, on the path that you are now, what got you started in music in the first place? Yeah. So I'm a first generation Latina. Um, my parents are from Colombia. English is actually my second language. And, um, I grew up in Miami, Florida, and I remember walking around with my dad in the neighborhood every morning for like 10 years. And we would walk by this house and he would say like, someday we're going to get by that house. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. I was like a young kid. Um, and then one day, like a decade after that conversation, we walked by that same house and he was like, we, we finally, this is our home. We're going to move here. Um, and as a kid, I didn't realize like the gravitas of that moment. Um, but it was really special because in that house, um, it came with a piano. Um, and my family is not musically inclined by any stretch of the imagination, but culturally speaking, um, music and folklore is such a huge part of our culture. So I grew up listening to all sorts of different music, um, from, you know, just classical to folkloric to indigenous, uh, salsa, anything Latin American, essentially. Um, and that kind of led me to take piano lessons and I had just an affinity for music. Um, and then I was uh, fortunate to go to like a magnet middle school and I was handed a clarinet, um, in sixth grade. And I was like, this is awesome. And then what else? <laughs> uh, so I played saxophone and I sang in the choir and, um, I was fortunate enough to go to Interlochen for my junior and senior year of high school. Um, and there I became a full-time saxophonist. Um, and that kind of was the start of everything from there. I went to school in Boston, did, went to Boston conservatory, have a degree in undergraduate uh, undergraduate, have an undergrad in classical saxophone, um, and woodwind pedagogy. And, um, yeah, that's kind of how everything started musically. That's awesome. And so you had this sort of transition when you were in music school. So was there a specific time when you were in school that kind of brought you onto this path of starting this consultancy agency and all the things that you do now, or was it something that you kind of discovered after you graduated? Um, I've always had a passion for helping people and for the behind the scenes. Like I'm, I'm that person that like gets, I lived in, I live in Nashville, Tennessee right now. And I, I get dragged to like, I don't know, a Taylor Swift concert or whatever. And she's great, but I'm always like, wow, how many spreadsheets or like how much in ticket sales or like, what is the guitar tech thinking or, you know, whatever. So I've always been really just drawn to that, but, um, I was very fortunate. Uh, Boston is such an extraordinary city and there's just so many opportunities and I'm, I'm a huge proponent of the quote 
you can't improvise experience. Um, and I just had an opportunity to have as much hands-on, um, in many different capacities, um, while I was in school. So my freshman year, I was stagehand for a small chamber orchestra. Um, I had always gravitated towards orchestras and I had always been very passionate about that. And, um, quickly discovered that there was only so much, you know, Bolero or pictures at an exhibition that we would play. So if I wanted the orchestral life, I was going to have to go more the arts administrative route. Um, but I still loved performing and, and all that. So I, I kind of said I could have it all. So I started working there as, um, in that small orchestra it was called the Boston classical at the time and climbed my way up. I did development. I did marketing. I was the assistant to the executive director. And then at age 21, um, I was running the orchestra myself. I was the ED. It was a half a million dollar budget, five concerts a year. And we would hire musicians from the Boston symphony and the ballet and just the top freelancers. And that really gave me just so much value and so much experience, um, in, in the business world and learning how to work with artists and creatives and, and really like what was missing. Um, to be honest, I could have never conceptualized the, the life that I have now. It all kind of became more of like, Ooh, there's a need to fill here or like, Oh, wow, this is insane that I can't get a hold of these musicians because they don't have websites or like, why is everyone's headshot so gross and inaccessible <laughs> <laughs> and like, why are we so stuffy about classical music? Like I need to get butts and seats. How are we going to do that? Who are we going to program, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that kind of in tandem, um, I graduated, finished my degree and, um, got what I thought was my dream gig with the Boston symphony. Um, I started off as ticket lady box office, uh, ran the subscriptions department, did some development marketing also. And my favorite part was I had an opportunity to talk with the musicians. And at that time I was, really surprised that these players that had reached what, you know, any conservatory student would have considered the pinnacle of success were so deeply unhappy. So I got to see firsthand the, the mental health epidemic that is a part of our industry. I got to see how, you know, having an orchestral job is extraordinary and amazing if that's what you want, but it also is like velvet handcuffs. Um, so just really getting clarity around what you want to do and why. And I just kind of started thinking like, well, my initial question was what's the difference between like Yo-Yo Ma or Hilary Hahn or Aunt Sophie Mütter um, in comparison to, I don't know, the principal cellist of the BSO. And the answer was branding and marketing. Like yeah. I knew what these people were doing. I could follow them on social media. I could dream with them. I could, I knew when their albums were coming out, I could support them. Like it was just a completely different you know, sphere and, and level. And it had nothing to do with musicianship or talent, which was just a rude awakening, um, coming from just a very competitive, uh, music education. And, um, that was kind of the beginning of everything. I, I started off as a management company. I was working with high profile orchestral musicians and top five orchestras. I was very blessed. My first clients were, you know, principal brass players in major orchestras. And then I, I quickly realized that I wasn't, so much needed as an agent, but I was more needed as somebody that could facilitate what even was marketing and branding, how to take good photos, how to do video, how to make this accessible for musicians. Um, and then I quickly also realized that, you know, these people that had reached the top, um, weren't going to change the industry as much as emerging artists can. And that's kind of where I was like, all right, well, when I graduated, even though I had just such a blessed education, I had no idea, like what were taxes? What is a bio? Do I need photos? Do you need a website? Like, how do you make money? Like, what do I charge all of those things? So I decided to, to create a program that could support what is lacking in our music education, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. And you're doing so many things and 
like you said, you're filling a need, right? And so I think a lot of people, when they go into music school and they're thinking about pursuing a career in music, they think that it's a one track sort of mindset where, you know, the major that you started in in your undergrad is the career that you end up pursuing. And a lot of times that's not the case. A lot of people are creating their own businesses and creating their own ideas and just putting them out there and they're brand new. And it's not something that's necessarily, you know, you are a music ed major. So you became a teacher, you're a performance major, now you're playing an orchestra, right? It's not like one track ends up getting you there. There's a lot of twists and turns in the road and people that are being very entrepreneurial in music and are developing their own businesses. I think it's amazing that you're doing that and you're serving so many needs because I completely agree with you. The difference between artists like Yo-Yo Ma and someone who plays the principal cellist in some orchestra is that branding and marketing. I see it. They don't really have a social media presence. They're not out there. Yo-Yo Ma is everywhere, right? So Mm -hmm. I do completely agree with that. And And I think that school does not teach us enough about those skills. And then we find ourselves floundering after we graduate. So I'm really glad that you're supplying um, those resources for so many people. Yeah, no, thank you. And it was just really extraordinary too, to, to see that the issues that emerging artists have all the way up to, you know, the best in the world are literally the same. Mm -hmm. And that was also just kind of crazy to think. And, you know, we, we also blame the institution, we blame educators, but I think it's really like the whole system that needs to be disrupted. And I I spent a decade of my career hustling for worthiness and I got some narrative and some message that I wasn't enough, that I wasn't good enough, that there were only three or four tracks. And there's so many different jobs in music, in the industry. And, you know, we, especially now with COVID and and hopefully in a a soon to be post COVID world where, you know, we've had the thought process that there's, you know, four jobs in music, you know, you're in the orchestra, you're in the military band, you know, you're, you know, a teacher, you're doing whatever, or you're a jack of all trades, master of none. And I don't necessarily subscribe to that either. I'm more of like the gap business model where you have your main thing and then sub brands and sub things that you do that fulfill you. They don't all have to be musical, but they are making an impact and make you feel not only as a successful individual, but a fulfilled human being. Yeah, I agree. And those two things are so important as well, because like you had mentioned before, and I've talked to numerous people on um, my show that, you know, have quote unquote gotten the gig, right? They're like the principal, blah, 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 of a major symphony orchestra, mm-hmm. and they still didn't feel fulfilled in their job. And so I feel like there's this expectation that as soon as you land the job, you're going to be hundred percent fulfilled in, their, in your life. And a lot of times they don't feel that case. So they're like pursuing business sides of things. They're, you know, playing in chamber music. They're writing their own music. They're um, one of the guests I had on the show started their own record company. Like they're doing other things to get that fulfillment so that their job isn't, you know, hundred percent providing for them. So I think that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I very much believe that personal development and career development have to go hand in hand because we're all amazing. And we have, you know, we're so privileged here in the United States and, you know, anybody can win the job, but can you keep it? Can you get tenure? Can you feel fulfilled in your work? And can you, at the end of the day, recognize that you are not just a musician, that you are many different things. And can we even remain curious in this really intense industry, you know? Exactly. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the services you provide 
as part of your career. So can you talk a little bit about those branding and marketing as well as consulting services that you provide professionals? Before I I share about what I do, I want to just quickly define like marketing and branding. Cause I really do feel like it's, it's kind of like the term wellness, like what even is that? So for me, uh, brand is who you are. So what we know of me so far is, you know, I have two companies, I'm a musician. I live in Nashville. I'm married. Um, we're probably going to talk about my dogs. I'm a rescue mom, you know, crazy dog lady. Um, and that is my brand and marketing is how I share the areas of my life that I want people to see and know about. So the whole notion that sometimes musicians have where social media is the highlight reel of your life. I don't necessarily subscribe to, I believe it's whatever I'm authentically sharing with my audience. And I use social media more as a portfolio than anything else. Um, I personally have an aversion to just how we want to monetize everything, just how we talk about six figures, like it's the standard. And um, I just really wanted to create an organization that just demystified and just cut the BS um, out of the the fakeness that is available um, when you're marketing and controlling the narrative. Um, And in my organization, I'm really passionate about education. Um, We do anything a creative could need in-house, but it's not so much about... uh, just doing the job, but it's more educating the client on what they need. So I recognize in my research, um, especially cause my, my, the business idea started in 2012 and that was the rise of Instagram, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, how do you take a photo? You know, uh, the average emerging artist spends around $600 on photography. Um, and they're between 50 and $75 photo sessions and can't use any of them by the time they graduate because they've shifted. They weren't good quality. It's not really what they needed. So I'm very much, um, about educating people on how to take photos, how to make them last and how to make sure that it's the right investment for them. Um, the same goes with web design. Like if you want to DIY it, let's walk together. If you want to outsource it, this is what you might need and what it looks like. Um, the same for video. Um, and I'm very passionate about the life and business coaching. I am a certified life coach. I specialize in emotional intelligence and soon to be the Enneagram fingers crossed. Um, and I am very much like I mentioned earlier about focusing on the whole person and really taking the career development side, which I know is important to all of us creatives, especially as achievers, but also the personal side, like you need to become the person that would have that job that would have that gig that would be surrounded by those people. And that applies to just every facet of your life. So, um, working with me in in any capacity from, from a coaching perspective is, is mostly that like most people come to me, like, let's talk about social media. Let's talk about web design. And it's like, absolutely. Let's talk about that. But then also, how are you doing and how are you feeling about things and imposter syndrome? Sure. Let's talk about that. So it's very customized to each person. Um, I'm very much about accessibility. So it, it is an accessible thing. Um, and I really want to disrupt the notion that you should know everything by the time you finish your degree or that, you know, you should be, if you have a doctorate, okay, you're done. You don't need to learn anymore. Like, no, I am constantly (laughs) learning. I have many coaches, therapists. I do everything, um, to continue to grow and learn and evolve. And it just doesn't stop, you know? Yeah, that's excellent. And so many good points there as, as well. And I, I love how you took the time to define those two things, because like you're saying, it's very much an umbrella turn that people don't quite understand. And also the time that it takes to develop 
a brand and how to market it for yourself is also something that's super important that a lot of people overlook, especially people in in our field as well. We think like, okay, we just get the job and we're fine. But a lot of musicians have to survive on their web presence, their social media presence, especially a lot of people that freelance as well. So I'm sure you have a lot of those folks as clients. Yeah. And it's different in different scenes. Like I have, I would say half my clients live in New York and the freelance situation in New York, there's just so many unspoken rules, especially in in the Broadway and jazz idiom. And it's just like, you just need to build your portfolio for yourself um, and just figure out what you actually want to do. And I don't know why as creatives, it appears to be that we're afraid to evolve. And I welcome that. Like, I'm not suggesting this by any stretch of the imagination, but if you go to my first post on Instagram, Disgusto busto. Like the glow up is insane. And (laughs) you could see the evolution of my brand. We've rebranded three times. We're about to be in our ninth year of business. And it's like, you just change and evolve. And and that was like one of the the biggest, um, just observations from my time in COVID is, you know, as a business, you just pivot. Like, there's no question about like, we got to move. We got to figure this out as a musician. You're like, but I don't want to like, do I really need a website? Do I our re- hashtags important? And it's like 1 billion percent. Um, so just really feeling comfortable with the unknown, um, and with putting yourself out there. And I don't, you know, by any stretch mean to minimize like how vulnerable it is. And that is why the personal development work is so important. You need to become the person that would have those things. And for me, I did two years of very intense therapy before I could change my own business name to have my name and my face everywhere. I was like, Oh gosh, people are going to think I'm narcissistic or like, I don't like my body or insert whatever, you know, insecurity and there was a lot of that in order to be able to even, you know, put my own name on my own thing. Yeah, exactly. That's so important. And you also provide services um, to music educators as well. So can you talk a little bit about those services that you um, provide for our little teacher friends out there? So I know yeah, we have a lot of them. <laughs> absolutely. I am so passionate about educators and everything that I've ever done is trying to fill voids and needs and, and just disrupt. So it started off with emerging artists, which is still like my most favorite thing ever. But then the more I've have over a hundred case studies on emerging artists over the years. And I also kept pointing back to, Ooh, there's something with the educators. Like we, there's so many accounts on social media that just completely poop on them and poop on like just the trauma and the generational, whatever. And yes, I completely understand that. And I've also experienced my fair share of hot mess in music school, but we also need to equip and empower educators to be able to teach us how to actually make a living in this new world. And they don't get paid enough to do that. And there aren't enough hours in the day or enough resources to make sure that that's the case. So for me, it's been like, okay, well, how can we help that without creating way more work. So I do have a lot of educators that just coach with me regularly. Anyway, um, I really specialize in helping with recruitment and, um, tenure portfolios. So we really get professors materials under control, figure out what they really, truly want to do. Of course, scope out if, if the program is the right fit for them. Um, but actually, uh, yesterday, uh, so some Friday in June, I, uh, did a, my first, uh, social media for educators workshop and, Um, by helping a lot of professors the last few years, I realized that there's so much shame associated with like what we don't know about social media, about marketing. And that's just so silly because we're not born with this knowledge. In fact, even myself as a social media expert, which sounds annoying, um, the apps changed so much. Like I learned yesterday that there's a setting where you can put on a post. So people don't see how many likes 
um, it got, (laughs) and I was like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. So it's ever evolving, ever changing. And I wanted to just create something that could really support educators in sharing what they're already doing, not creating more work for them. Um, but also just empowering them to, to see that there's a world outside just training people to try and get an orchestra job or try and be in higher education, but to just kind of open their minds to the possibilities, um, very gently and lovingly and with actual resources that I think will help. That's so important. And and you hit on two different points that kind of like struck a nerve with me. And first was talking about recruitment. That is, you know, an idea that is shoved down every music educator's throat from the time that they're in college and whatever music ed program they are. Recruitment and retention are like the two biggest things, right? Because we always have to advocate for our Mm -hmm. programs. And when you are in a college job, you have to recruit and retain the students at your school. And that is part of your responsibility there as well. And so I think that's super important that you're hitting on that point and how we can use social media, we can use our web presence, what have you, to aid in that recruitment because, you know, young folks out there are looking at the school's website. They're looking at your personal mm-hmm. website. They're trying to find out who you are as a teacher. Um, right. And that stuff's super important. The way you lay everything out, the way you post, the way you carry yourself online is so important. A lot of people overlook that either that or they understand that it's important, but it seemed as like this mammoth issue. And a lot of people think that, you know, creating social media presence or a website is really overwhelming for them as well. So I'm glad that you are there and you're assisting in that way. um, Because I I know a lot of like older folks, especially might feel a little overwhelmed about creating an entire website for themselves Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in that process too, it's, I I really am passionate about empowering everybody, not just educators to be okay. Outsourcing, like it's okay to invest in somebody building a website for you to having, taking your photos and, and helping you with your strategy. Like it's, you're not lazy. It's not something you have to do. Like outsourcing is your friend. Um, and it's just right. Finding the right person and the right fit for you. And, and just because you have a website doesn't mean, you know, you have to have a business or you have to do things a certain way. Like there's just so many different ways to, to have a career in music. And, and I, I'm really am passionate about helping people redefine for themselves, what that means to them. That's excellent. And you, you mentioned your emerging artist program a couple of times um, in our conversation, but I do want to dive a little bit deeper into that program. So can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, how you came up with the idea for developing the program, what it's about, and then if someone is interested in becoming a part of the program, how would they go about doing that? Yeah. So the emerging artist program happened, I would say about five years ago, four to five years ago. Um, and it was in a, in a season of life where I had what I thought was my, my first business success by working with all these fancy people. And then I had a, a really hot mess experience and learned probably the equivalent of like a business degree and financial mistakes. And I was like, all right, what are we doing? So as I was like regrouping and and figuring out, you know, why I didn't know certain things, like why I was struggling with like financial business management, like the, the money side of the business or why I had struggled to advocate for myself or to use my voice. And I had already like dealt with ageism, you know, being a young ED running a nonprofit, um, I had already dealt with sexism, 
with racism, with all the isms essentially. And I was like, there has to be a better way. Somebody has to know like what, I, who can I ask, you know? And then I, I found myself like talking to mentors and you know, taking people out for coffee, but there was just such a huge disconnect, unfortunately, because of age where, you know, the, the generation ahead of me or, or two generations ahead of me, like it wasn't as competitive to get their college gig, or it wasn't as competitive to do X, Y, or Z and not to discredit, you know, how amazing they are, but it was just a completely different field. So I started thinking, and, um, at the time I was, you know, just coaching these, the fancy people. And then I was like, you know, I think I can make a much bigger impact working with younger students and actually filling the gap. I'm so close to age with, I'm still close in age with, you know, my emerging artists. So I, like, I understand what they're going through. I'm not fully disconnected from what it's like to not have any money. I'm not disconnected from what it feels like to, to just take a big poop in your freelance gig and feel like garbage about it or how to like not have handled something or, you know, how to deal with some of the things that we just don't talk about that are taboo, like money. Um, so anyway, I, that I just started like creating a curriculum out of this. And I was like, I, it can't be a one size fits all. Cause that's not, you know, education in general, but it needs to be, it needs to follow a certain process. So we need to get everybody to understand that they can have an opinion that you don't have to win a job before you matter. You matter right now. You are enough. And I want to help people discover their enoughness and stop worrying about the things that they can't do or the things they don't yet know. And as emerging artists, like we, there's just so much pressure. Like there's this notion that you're running out of time that, oh my gosh, if by age 30, you don't do this, you suck. And it's like, no, that's like not true by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, all of these feelings and sentiments, um, kind of went into like, okay, in the first three months of this program, we need to figure out our brand and how are we going to figure out our brand by figuring out who we are morning and nighttime routines. What does our schedule actually look like? Like I I very often reference the Navy SEAL quote that we don't rise to the occasion. We sink to the level of our training. So I'm not working on in an ideal situation. How would I live my life? I'm working on like, okay, when things hit the fan, like, how am I going to react? What, what is my default setting? And can I improve that by 1%? Um, so all of those kinds of thought processes, um, went into the program and it's, it's a 12 month program. Um, I don't do contract, not, I mean, I do contracts, but I don't do like, like traditional coaching practices where you buy packages and it's, um, typically not accessible financially to everybody. For me, um, it's a 12 month program. So at the 12th month, people do fly off the nest. Um, ideally, even though it's really hard, my average client retention rate is about three years. So it's been an adjustment to be like, go fly. Um, but anyway, uh, it's 12 months technically. Um, and I tell people like, just give yourself three months. That's how long it takes to create momentum. So 21 days to form a habit, 66 days to rewire it into your brain and 90 days to see results. So anything we implement, let's say in the month of July, you're going to see results in September. So it's a, it's a very guided program in that capacity. We cover everything from branding and marketing. Uh, of course there's life coaching, business coaching and emerging artists typically incubate a project in our time together. Um, and by the end of the program, they are set up with whatever they're wanting to do. Um, we also have great conversations around, do you need another degree? Um, what is the landscape of what you truly want to do? Are you doing things for the right reasons? You know, all of that. And that's where the the mental health and the Enneagram training has been really helpful. And I of course encourage everybody to go to therapy. Um, so the work that I do is in tandem with whatever additional professional help everybody is is seeking. That's awesome. And so if, someone is interested in signing up for the program and, and being a part of that, where would they go to get that information? 
Yeah. Um, you can go to my website, karenkubitas.com. Um, we have sub brands. So there's an entire website also that you'll find there on the emerging artists program. And there's really fantastic copy. My team rocks, um, explaining what it is that we do. Cause that's always really hard and basically just fill out an application. Um, I don't do musical auditions because I believe that everybody should have access to this information. And also if you are hungry and curious and wanting to learn more, you're already a talented individual. So that's basically the vibe. Um, and yeah, I, I like to meet with people and mostly make sure that I'm a good fit for them. Not so much that they're, you know, X, Y, or Z. So we just hop on a quick zoom, do a 15, 20 minute call, um, complimentary. And then if they want to do that, um, for me, it's very much like, it's not so much like this is something you should do, check a box, move forward, but are you ready for that transformation? Cause it's, it's hard, like facing your, your stuff and, and just trying to evolve and grow is, is a lot of hard work. Like healing is a full-time job. So there it's just like, is it the right time for you more so than is it something you should do? Yeah, exactly. That's so important. So you have this awesome program and, you know, you provide all these services, but you also have a podcast on top of that. So you do all these amazing things and I love it. So you have your own podcast called the musician's guide, which I follow with my podcast account and my personal account as well, because you post so many awesome things, um, on Instagram and all out there in social media. And so that's how I found you actually was through your podcast. So can you talk a little bit, um, about your podcast, maybe some topics you cover and that sort of thing, what your audience is like, just in case someone wants to check that out. Yeah, absolutely. I love the podcast. I love podcasting. Um, it's just such an honor to hold space for just so many brilliant individuals out there. And, um, I just, I learned so much, uh, from doing the podcast, not only from the amazing guests that I have on, but also just hearing yourself. I mean, I'm sure you can relate that your first episode sounds so different than your most recent one. Um, you just grow and evolve (laughs) and it's just so beautiful and also slightly horrifying to see how you change and grow. My, my nasally Buffalo accent is the most annoying thing (laughs) that I listen back to. So I totally understand that. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like such a beautiful memento for like where you were in that season and what those conversations were like. Um, so I hope it just encourages everybody to just, just do it. You're going to lead in perfectly and we're human. So that's the beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but the podcast is basically, I have access to just such an extraordinary network and I'm just, I'm so blessed and overwhelmed. Um, so I interview literally the best in the world and it's just so exciting. Um, and I get to just pick their brains on all the things. Um, but then I also do quite a bit of solo episodes and it's essentially everything that somebody would pay me money for. I I just like to give as a resource. So I I have lots of episodes on tips for marketing and branding, social media. Um, I talk about the Enneagram. I talk about web design. Um, I have a really awesome series. Um, my sister, uh, Jen, she's amazing. She slays, she's a non-musician though. Um, but she does work with me and, uh, we do a series called, uh, a particular topic from the perspective of a non-musician. And it's really awesome because Jen sees me work with my musician clients. She project manages, she does everything. Um, but she also gets to see the perspective. She's a teacher. She's actually a principal right now, um, of being in education in a different facet. That's not music related. And we just offer insights to, um, from the perspective of a non-musician. And that's just been really clarifying for me too, to learn from the non-musical influences in my life on how to be more accessible, how to make things better. So that's, that's basically the, the podcast in a nutshell. We have a weekly episode on Wednesdays and we do, um, a couple monthly IG lives. Um, so I I've 
veered into the land of interviewing people live in real time. Um, so that's been really fun. And I'm really excited. Actually, um, I haven't even announced this, but, um, I'm going to do a version of my podcast in Spanish, um, oh, and really awesome. open up. Yeah. I'm so pumped and really open up to a completely different market, um, in Latin America. I mean, we have so many amazing Latino musicians in the United States playing in major orchestras, teaching incredible institutions that we just don't know about. Um, so I, I really want to do that. And of course, just share similar things that I do in the English version um, in Spanish. So that'll be a nice little personal challenge because even though English is my first language, there's like a million different ways to say, like even just musical terms, like mouthpiece, like you could say that in a million different ways, depending on the country you're in. So mm -hmm. just trying to figure that out, but I'm, I'm excited to launch that in, in July. That's so exciting. Awesome. So cool. And what I love about your podcast is that it's very practical and I always love to listen to things that I can learn something from too. And that like, I can apply right to my life in that very moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I love the conversations that you have because it's all just, you know, practical advice tips from like experts in the field. And I just always take away something from it. So I really appreciate that. And then also your social media presence um, with the podcast as well is really awesome because you can get the message from some of the things that you're talking about on the podcast without even actually having to listen to the episode too, which is so nice. Mm -hmm. It's like scrolling through, you're like, okay, here's some hot moments that I can get from this um, as well. And so I think that's really insightful too. And I, and I'm really happy um, that you have developed this podcast and then that's, you know, what your theme is too, because I think it's really applicable for a lot of folks as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. I, I very appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And so we talked a lot about your podcast and your services and your emerging artist program. Is there anything that you have coming up in the future that you're excited about? Are you just continuing your work, any exciting new projects? Oh yes. So many, I, I really need to rein it in. Um, I'm my own boss and I'm like, what is the schedule Karen? Like get it together. Um, so I have two exciting things, um, in the horizon. Um, one is already out into the, actually both are out into the world. Um, I developed with a great friend and former client, um, Dr. Kate Umblesmucker, uh, this project called the green room community. Um, and it's our version of what we wish we had from a wellness standpoint. Um, it's, we have weekly yoga class with Kate. She's a certified yoga teacher. Um, we have what we call labs, which are just master classes where we talk on, you know, whatever subjects, uh, we're thinking based on the theme of the month. We have a newsletter. Um, we're about to launch a podcast next week at the end of June, LOL. Um, so we're doing just everything to really start the conversation. Um, we're not interested in preaching or influencing, but it's mostly just having the discussion. Like when it comes to wellness for me personally, I used to think that it was fat or skinny or healthy or unhealthy, but there's just much, many more depths and breaths to that thought process. And, um, I just really wish that somebody would have educated me or that I would have had access to understanding what good nutrition actually looked like, how it didn't have to be expensive organic per se, or that I could move my body in like a million different ways. And it didn't need to just be X, Y, or Z. Um, so that's really the intention there and just really holding space and, and creating an environment, uh, for musicians to take the time to feel empowered and equipped to take the time to take care of themselves, like to really, truly recognize that they are the product 
the instrument is just an accessory and that their body really matters. You know, we're, we're athletes. And if you think about a, a program, an athletics program at any university, like the athlete has a therapist, a nutritionist, a coach, a coach while they practice, yeah. there's, you know, so much more support. And as musicians, we are also that, and, and we need to take care of our body, mind, spirit connection. So, um, that's really what that, um, has been about. We beta tested it for about six, six to eight months, um, during COVID. And it was really helpful because it's all on zoom. And then in May, we, we launched our Patreon and are trying to find ways to, to bring the community together. We're, we're not a yoga studio. We're not a membership necessarily. It's more of just a community for all of us to come together and, and we're doing it as we go. We're like flying the plane and building it at the same time. So it's really trying to serve the people that are showing up in our community and, and having that ripple effect, um, really help us in and just changing that narrative and that stigma around wellness and mental health. Um, and then something else that I'm really passionate about is I get to co-facilitate and co-host a workshop with, uh, one of my most favorite clients and friends and, and humans. Um, his name is Jeremy Wilson. He's a trombone professor at Vanderbilt university. He's a former, um, trombone member of the Vienna Philharmonic. He won his gig when he was like 25. He's just like an extraordinarily talented human, but also just a wonderful individual. Um, and we create, he created the body, mind, spirit method, um, couple years ago. And, um, we have just this synergy kindred spirit vibe where he comes to me with an idea and I'm like, Oh my gosh, let's just make it like a million other things. And, um, this workshop happened actually the first one in July of 2020. Um, we were just kind of beta testing, like, is this even going to resonate with people? Like, could we actually have a workshop for musicians where we didn't play our instruments? Like, is this a thing? And it totally was a thing. Um, it was just so amazing to walk people. Um, it's a four day workshop, uh, we made it, of course, very accessible financially. And it's it's really talking about the whole person. How can we engage our body, mind, spirit connection in our music making? So he goes through the musical side of that from a physicality standpoint, from a neuroscience standpoint, how to make music, you know, spirit part of that. Um, and then I create the supporting content as far as career development, personal development, mental health, goal setting, all of that. Um, so musicians leave the workshop with a solid foundation on, on what their why actually is, um, some new ideas to consider as far as like how they want to live their lives. Um, and just a new perspective on how to make music. Um, and of course my favorite part about that workshop is all the people coming together. We'll have from high school students all the way to musicians and top five orchestras. And the stories are the same. The, the hot mess is the same. The, <laughs> the love is the same. Um, and it's just so beautiful to see. And, and we just so learn from them and it's, it's really exciting. We have another one coming up at the end of July. Um, I think it's the 24th or the 25th. Um, and it's, I just can't wait. It's like my favorite week every time we do it. And that's so cool. And, and you had mentioned at the beginning of our conversation about how you are, are seeing needs everywhere and you're filling those. And that's another need that is super important is musicians prioritizing their mental, emotional, spiritual health as well, because a lot of people don't do that. <laughs> and they mm -hmm. don't realize that if their body is not functioning, then they can't do their job. Like you said, your instrument's just an accessory. And I think that's really important for people to understand. I'm so glad that you have those workshops where people can have access to those resources and that information. I think that's great. Yeah, thank you. 
Yeah, no problem. And so if people wanted to reach out to you and learn a little bit more, or maybe, you know, contact you about, you know, having consulting services or something like that, she has a website. I will make sure that I put it in the uh, description for um, the episode as well and all of her social media. So anyone who's listening right now will be able to jump on her website. She has a whole contact page there. Is there any other way um, that people can reach out to you if they're interested in anything? Absolutely. I'm very much an open book, as I'm sure you can tell. So you could always slide into any of the DMs of any of our brands. Um, myself or, or the team will be there um, to assist and support. And there's no such thing as, you know, dumb questions or, you know, if you're apprehensive about something like really just ask and, and save yourself the time. Like, yeah, you could totally Google things, but if there's a question or if you need help in any area, like just feel free to reach out always. Karen, I want to thank you so much for giving everybody your time, sharing um, your expertise and some of the awesome resources you have. I'm encouraging everyone to please check out her website, check out her podcast. If you're interested in the emerging, emerging artist program, definitely check that out as well. And then if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me or Karen and I'll get you in touch with her if you need to. So thank you so much, Karen. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Cassidy. Again, you're amazing. And I, I so appreciate your time and and congratulations on your show and on just amplifying all the voices. Like it really is extraordinary and we just need more people to do this. So thank you for, for taking the lead on that. Thank you so much. 